Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChampaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to From Complex to Queens, Amazing Avenue's Monolith Podcast. I'm Steve Saipa, and I'm joined this week by Lucas Vlahos, Ken Levin, and Thomas Henderson. Uh, how are you guys doing? I assume that you're doing better than Bobby Witt? Uh, yes. I'm currently not demoted to the minor leagues yet. So That's good. Lucas, Ken, you guys got demoted? Yep, yep, Joe's uh, got demoted. I'm back to single A. in life, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, that does sound about right. <clears throat> All right, so promote, extend, trade this week. I was looking at Wikipedia for, you know, important stuff that happened on today's day, and I saw this name, and I vaguely remembered it from, you know, uh, history class at some point or another. So are you guys familiar with Anne Hutchinson by any chance? The author? No. Anne Hutchinson. The name's about this lady. I'll be like, oh, yeah, that person. Right. That's exactly what I felt. I was like, wait, I know this name from something. Mm. Any of you other guys? Um, I think I know who you're talking about, so I'm currently Googling to make sure if I'm right. <laughs> Got the name sounds very familiar. Well, oh, she was a religious freedom person. Okay. Yes, yes. So Rhode Anne Island? Hutchinson. 
Like, yes, she, yeah. she was yeah, that's it. That's it. Providence and all that. Okay. Yep. So yeah, she was a, a charismatic Puritan from the Massachusetts Bay Colony. Who among and, us? Is? Exactly. And her religious views were deemed unorthodox by the Puritans. So her, her husband, her family, they were all, uh, they were all banished from the Massachusetts Bay Colony after being put on trial. And they eventually settled in, in Providence and then they settled around what is now Pelham Bay, where the local Indians then slaughtered her and her family about a year later. Oh, good. Nice. <laughs> oh, no. So, it was on this date back in 1638 that she was exiled from Massachusetts. So in honor of her, what Hall of Famers who were sent from Boston to the Bronx are we going to promote, extend, or trade? <laughs> I thought it was a little long-winded, but I th- the end point yeah, is a good one. You, you got there. Yeah, we got there eventually. Though. Obviously, Babe Ruth, but we can't include him because he's he's a game-breaker. So, first off, we have right-handed pitcher Wade Hoyt, who was traded to the Yankees in 1920, and over the course of uh, a little over 2,000 innings from 1921 to 1930, he posted a 3.48 ERA, and he helped them win three World Series. Next, we have Red Ruffin, who was traded from Boston to the Yankees in 1930, and over the course course of a little over three thousand innings from nineteen thirty to nineteen forty six, he had a three forty seven ERA and he helped them win six World Series championships in thirty two, thirty six, thirty seven, thirty eight, thirty nine, and forty one. And finally we have Sparky Lyle, who was traded to them in nineteen seventy two, and he posted a two forty one ERA in about seven hundred and forty five innings from nineteen seventy two to nineteen seventy eight. And he helped them win two World Series in 1977 and 1978. And I have all their stats over here in front of me if you need to look at, if you, you know, want to know something or other. I wanted, to go, I wanted to go with Sparky Lyle just because this dude's name's Sparky. It's uh, a good. Actually that Fun good. fact. Sparky Lyle was the manager of the Somerset Patriots for many years, and uh, somewhere in my parents' house, I have a Sparky Lyle as a dog. (laughs) I think I'm going to extend him for solely that reason. That seems reasonable. No, he won a Cy Young, Mr. Sparky. Yeah, he is the only one of the three that has a Cy Young. How the hell did this dude win a Cy Young? (laughs) Wins. Uh, not even because he no, was he's a reliever. Yeah, interesting. He saves, saves thirty-five saves. games. Saves with a bunch of Z's at the end of it. Mm-hmm. That's how Edwin Diaz is going to win the Cy Young this year. He, his, he he's the kind of reliever who throws hundred plus innings. He did that several times. What year did he win the Cy Young? Seventy-seven. Seventy-seven. Look who's number two on that list, and number three. How did uh, these guys? Seventy-seven. Cy Young AL. You have in second place is Jim Palmer, and in third <laughs> place, Nolan Ryan. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, but give it to a good old Sparky. Three points. Totally. One of the which of these is not like the other? Three point seven, seven point three, seven point eight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know you're not always supposed to just line up the wars, but I think in this case we can line up the wars. And if you want to get really weird. Using advanced statistics, look who was came in ninth place that year. Frank Tanner and his war, eight point three. Oh wow! 
Yeah. Yeah, he's not the smartest baseball people, I think it's fair to say. <laughs> he he also, according to baseball reference, came in sixth in the MVP voting that year. Ah! Uh, <laughs> even good. He's like Ahead of even... Thurman Munson, Carl Fisk, Reggie Jackson, <laughs> George Brett. Do, do the people watching these games have eyes? Or like, are we the, are we out of touch? Clearly not, because they thought that Sparky Lyle was a dog, so... <laughs> Jesus. He pitched in 72 games. What more do you want out of your Cy Young? Uh, good <laughs> pitching in slightly fewer games? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, this is back in the day when your when your starters pitched a lot of the games. So, Lyle, he appeared in 72 games, but Palmer started 39, and yeah, Ryan exactly. started 37. You it, know? It, it's hardly even, like, like a, a leg up. <laughs> was that like when relievers were still kind of a new thing? And yeah, so I mean, everybody the, was just kind of amazed, like, "Oh, wow!" The late seventies wow. is kind of when, like, that fireman thing. thing. Yeah. Anyway, I have no connection to this dude, but the the Sparky as a dog is a good promotion. So yeah, I guess <laughs> extending him does make sense. Oh yeah, I'm expen- I, 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 I'm extending Sparky. All right, now who Easy. is who's getting? Traded and who's just getting promoted? I mean, Red Ruffing or Wait Hoyt? Who had the least rings? Because I know you said one of them had six. Uh, Red Ruffing had six and Wait oh, yeah. Hoyt had three. But Get Wait Hoyt, 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 Hoyt is from Brooklyn, though. Oh come on! Now, okay, yeah. now, now you're now you're tugging at the at the hometown heartstrings for me. Mm-hmm. So he has to say exactly. Red Ruffing, pretty good though. Is Red Ruffing a Hall of Famer? Should be. Yes. Borderline, yeah, fifty-six wins, yeah. I love that you can amass. Uh, I, I'll, I'll join in with the the extend the hometown Brooklynite, obviously. Um, but I love that you have a had, could have a career in the twenties, thirties, early forties, not even early forties. This guy pitched from nineteen twenty four to nineteen forty seven. Uh, be an effective starter and mass up fifty six wins with a K nine of four. <laughs> yeah, yeah so like his his best year, 1938, when he was an All Star and he came in fourth place in the MVP race. He had a walk rate of three and a strikeout rate of 4.6. Wait, Hoyt was a Brooklyn Dodger. He went to Erasmus. Yeah, he's definitely saying. I know uh, two of those things. <laughs> he is one of the. I mean, he, the Mets didn't exist at the time, but he's one of the few that was a Dodger. He was a Giant, and he was a Yankee. No, unfortunately, unfortunately, the correct answer uh, might be to just trade all three of them because they're all Yankees. So you know. <laughs> there's that too. Also, I'm, so, so I'm on Hoyt's Wikipedia now. Which uh-huh. he was a Dodgers fan. He signed as a as a Giant at 15. Hell yeah! And was nicknamed the Schoolboy Wonder. Which That's pretty is good. All incredible things. That like <laughs> I'm extending him because of that. <laughs> I want him to be like. When he's like 50, they're calling him the schoolboy wonder, and he's like, guys, I'm not a schoolboy anymore. <laughs> he's like, guys, the school I don't boy. have a basic education anymore. Thanks. <laughs> no, I think this might violate the, that uh, pre-60, no contracts before 16, yeah, baseball got to look into this. You know, cold case, <laughs> but open it back up. I'm going to go back and just post-homously uh, take away his Hall of Fame. He was also known as... 
He was also known as the Merry Mortician because he Hell spent yeah. his days working as a funeral director and at nights appearing in vaudeville. This wow. dude's incredible. What is this guy? <laughs> this is an incredible. <laughs> See, early baseball is is crazy. Oh yeah, early baseball's undefeated with all this crazy stuff. Can't make some of that up. All right, so we are currently at a point in the year where there really is not too much baseball going on that's relevant to us. Uh, all the minor league guys we'd normally be covering, they were cut or reassigned from spring training. They're not really going to be doing too, too much until the Mets break camp and head north, and then the, and then the minor leaguers get in you know, a month of camp in April. The only real non-major league baseball stuff going on right now in the U.S., is high school and college baseball. And the story of the week is really one thing. From Complex to Queens 2019 draft crush, Jack Leiter, throwing a no-hitter. Man. He uh, walked wild. Yeah, he walked his first batter, and then 27 up, 27 down, and Vandy beat uh, the South Carolina Gamecocks. Through 81 of his 124 pitches for strikes, he struck out 16. And he was already having a pretty good season, but with the no-no factored in now, he has a 0.31 ERA in 29 innings over five starts, with seven hits allowed, 11 walks, and 49 hits. So, so I have two. I have two points here. First, can we call it? That's like the Babe Ruth, where you walk the first batter, yell at the <laughs> umpire, get ejected, and the dude who comes in next throws a perfect game but doesn't get credit for it because. I mean, I guess Leiter walked the first guy, thankfully, so he still gets the no-hitter. Second, can you imagine, you're just a, you're, you're, you're the best high school baseball player in your town. You go to a Division One school, you're working really hard, you're starting, you might get dra- you might get drafted, you might not, who knows. And you're looking at the schedule, you're like, oh, we're going to place Vanderbilt this weekend. That means yeah, my right? Friday night is Kumar Rocker. And my Saturday night is Jack Leiter. That's basically when you happen to just get the flu and uh, you don't play. That's when you're like, hey, when you're selling real estate or whatever, you're like, hey, remember when I faced these guys? And everyone's like, no, you didn't. You liar. I faced Jack Leiter and Kumar Rocker. Look at me with my ass three miles outside of the box as I bail out on this uh, curveball coming (laughs) at my head. This 98 mile an hour. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I was there, though. I started in the box. Just think about how depressing that is, though. Like, I think all of us played some sports at some point, and I don't think any of us were particularly elite athletes. But there's a difference between losing and getting humiliated. Oh, yeah. And you just, you're just gonna, these poor college kids are just gonna get, show up and get humiliated for two nights in a row. I mean, like, it's, it even happens on like a smaller scale and it's bad. Like, um, I played volleyball in college and we went, we moved up to, we moved into a different conference our senior year. And that seemed, and our senior year, we, we played like schools that like recruited D3 volleyball and we were not recruited for D3 volleyball. (laughs) You would just, like, we would go, like, travel to, like, Jersey to play Keene and all this stuff, and we're just going to get smashed. Like, we know on the way there, we're, like, we're about to, like, just get run out of the building and by their backups. 
And you know what you know what's coming because I have a squad of like twenty kids and they're all really good and we're like, oh boy. So like it's fun to talk about it now, but on the way there you're just like, I think I hurt my ankle. Um <laughs> I can't <laughs> play. <laughs> but that's so I can the imagine. craziest thing is he no hit South Carolina, which is like one of the best offensive Jesus. teams. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not even like a Not only that, literally Jack Leiter's first in conference game. Oh, yeah. Because they didn't uh, play any last year. He's good. Yeah. I think I think he might be good. I'm, I'm South speaking, Carolina currently ranked 16th in the top 25. I'm speaking now, Al somehow. Good I'm speaking Al somehow getting him to Queens into existence. <laughs> so I don't think do. it's it's in the cards, bud. But Look, who who, who is the who is the GM of the Pirates? Is it still Neil Huntington? It's Ben Sherrington. Venture. I don't know. They're all yeah. generic. The most, I, I would say, like, let's just take the most expensive four contracts off of their hands in exchange for. <laughs> so if you are that's the pirates, like, like two million dollars in cap hit. They, yeah, they don't have any. <laughs> yeah, no, it's like four guys on the on the league minimum. If you are the pirates and you have the first pick, and Rocker and Leiter are both sitting there, obviously Rocker. Well, you're the first pick, so obviously everybody's sitting there. But Rocker is there and Leiter is pick. Who do you go with? I feel like lighter. <laughs> it is it is a legit tough decision at this point. It moment. is. It is. I, I I'm not sure it is for me. <laughs> I think I lean rocker, but I wouldn't be mad if either like if I'm a Pirates fan and that's the dilemma you're facing, there's no wrong answer, I think, between the two. No, it's the wrong not like answer is watch is just being a Pirates fan, but Well yeah, I mean sure. <laughs> I mean that's a whole nother can of worms. <laughs> but I think I think it's lighter, personally. I think it's lighter. I think um, the fastballs are very, very close now. Like lighters, uh, particularly yesterday, he he was throwing like ninety-five to ninety-eight throughout. Yeah. Um, I think the secondary, the the first secondary pitch is better, and I'm not sure if Rocker has a, a third pitch. So. Lighter having a slider to complement the fastball and the curveball, which arguably don't need it. I think you can make a case that Lighter's the, the better pitcher at this point in time. Now, another case to be made. Lighter is obviously getting some well-deserved hype and helium and everything like that. But at the time when he was drafted in 2019, basically the 1 and the 1A of prep pitchers was Jack Lighter. And a fellow right-handed pitcher, Matthew Allen. Mm. Allen, we have not, you know, he threw a couple of innings in 2019, and then we have not really seen anything of him since. We've heard, you know, some good reviews from the alternate site camp in Coney Island and spring training and everything like that. But we don't really know how he's changed physically. We don't really know how he's developed his pitches. So. It, it might seem right now that Leiter now is heads and shoulders better than Allen and that it's, you know, no contest. But Allen could, you know, break camp and, and start the season, like, similarly to how Leiter is, you know, dominating the NCAA right now. Yeah, I so don't think for it's me, a... Go ahead. Oh, yeah. So for me, I, I just, again, I, like, I watched the game yesterday and, like, what are the chances that this kid like he's basically mowing down an a-ball lineup like it's nothing 
Um, yeah. what, what are the chances that Allen is quite this good at this point? You know? Oh, 50, 50. I mean, he is or he is pretty much. We're about to find out when he faces real A ball lineups, like yeah, in a month. But like, you know, just just the the level of dominance. I, I think I'm gonna lean towards lighter is probably the better. Oh yeah, at this point. I think there was an argument at the time, like like the one knock on lighter was the frame, and I'm sure there's a longer discussion to have about whether we overemphasized frame when discussing pitchers and uh, how they're going to develop. Um. I guess, I don't think taking I don't think choosing Allen is the wrong decision in in no, retrospect. I don't think so either. Mm-hmm. Just the way like there's a lot of ways it could have gone for both of them. It seems well, to the, be going so. generally well for Allen. It's just that it also seems to be going insanely well for Leiter. I mean, I also don't think Leiter would have signed. Right, and exactly. Allen, yeah. Like Allen seemed to be very down to some well obviously he was down to sign cuz he did. But mm-hmm. like that the Allen was rumored for a few other people. Where in 2019 it was like Lider's not signing; he's going to Vanderbilt. So why even waste Leiter's the time? Lider's only signing if you back up the dump truck. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and like, I mean... and good for him because now he's going to be probably one of the first two picks in the draft, like I, unless I, something crazy happens. But I, um, I said it at the time that he's he's probably going to be a top two pick in yeah, a couple so of years. He's made him as long as he stays healthy through this season. He's made his money. He's made more money than he would have. Oh, taking that. So good for him. It's, it was a great, it was a good decision for him. Yep. But I don't think the Mets would have even signed him and then we're looking at a whole different farm system at that point. Yeah. I mean, in order to, let's say they did pick, um, uh, lighter, then obviously there would be no baby. They probably would not, well, not, I shouldn't say probably. 95% they would not have picked Josh Wolf because they did have to go a little bit over slot to get him. And then obviously the whole thing with Allen would not have happened because the money just wouldn't have been there because it would have been allocated to lighter. So. And then do you get Lindor because <laughs> right. Wolf was an in, in, in integral part of that trade? So uh, would you rather have? I, I mean, this is also like super pedantic. Like right. this <laughs> argument is crazy, but would you rather have Lindor or Matthew Allen? You know what I mean? <laughs> like, like the the dominoes from it are so there's so many. Yep. Even even though in terms of like they barely pulled off Matt Allen, yeah, <laughs> like yes, they they scraped the bot they they saved as much as they could at, after that like after after you know day one of the draft like they would not have been able to offer any more money than they they did to Allen. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I don't think lighter was even possible. Yeah, I agree. Given the, their pool. So all this draft talk and college baseball talk makes me think that today is a good day for the second annual Way Too Early Draft Special. Hooray! Air horns. No, I love those things. Last time we did this, the world basically came to an end a couple weeks later. So here's (laughs) hoping that uh, that doesn't that doesn't happen again. But when we did do this last time, Thomas's pick, Pico Armstrong, he was selected by the Mets. So maybe Tommy Tannis is one of our handful of listeners, and he's waiting for our input before making uh, his draft board. All I got to say is no one has ever seen me and Tommy Tannis in the same room. That's true. True. That's true. I've I've been in the same room as you, but Tommy Tannis (laughs) was um, conspicuously absent. Exactly. He was invited, too. Makes you want to. Friend of the podcast, Tommy (laughs) Tannis. 
So the Mets will be making the 10th overall pick this year, thanks to a 26 and 34 record last year, uh, 2020. Uh, during the year, last year, there were some discussions that the draft would be based on 2019 and 2020 records, which have been, would have been detrimental to the Mets since they did alright in 2019. But thankfully, Major League Baseball decided to just go with the 2020 season only, and Mets would be making the 10th pick. Obviously, especially right now, um, nothing is static. We're talking about this. It's the end of March, and the draft this year is going to be in July. Um, they've pushed it back a little bit because of everything crazy going on in the minor leagues with uh, regards to all the changes there. So player who players who are in the conversation right now, they could you know suddenly and inexplicably just stop performing or get injured and drop. Um, that's basically what happened to JT Ginn last year. He was a guy that was like a, a mid first round talent. And he had an injury, and he had Tommy John surgery, and then he fell to the second round in the Mets picked him. And conversely, guys who are right now considered lesser talents all of a sudden might just start dominating and then find themselves in the discussion. And that's pretty much what happened to Justin Dunn a couple of years ago. He was converted from relief into a starter for about a month or so into the 2016 season, and he was just pretty, pretty, pretty good. He was dominant. And the Mets liked what they saw, and they picked him 19th overall. Uh, 10th overall pick, I, I think it's a it's a pretty solid place to be picking from. We like to say that groupings and tiers, it's more accurate than just kind of ordinal listings. And with the 10th overall pick, the Mets are making a, a selection from a pool of players that are still more or less the cream of the crop. Obviously, you know, your first three players or so, they're the best of the best. And 4 to 10, they're like a tier down, but you still have some of the best, you know, the best college pitcher, the best prep pitcher, the best prep hitter, stuff like that. It it really, it's, you know, once you get below 10, 12, whatever, that you start to get into that guys with warts territory, which the Mets have made selections from pretty much the last five years. Which explains Uh, the minor league system. Yes. Well, (laughs) partially, partially. Yes, yes. Uh, so, Thomas, since you got it right last year, how oh, about you share your uh, your follow for this year? So, so about the crystal ball, give it yeah. a good polish yeah. there, and what do you see in the ball? So if I get this one right, because Jaden Hill from LSU, college pitcher, righty, is supposed to probably go a little earlier than the Mets are picking, but I'm mostly choosing him because I like him a lot, like I just like his game. Um. He throws in the high 90s. He has a very good changeup. Like, his changeup is nasty. And that's one of the things that always, whenever I see a college pitcher who has something like that, it always kind of piques my interest because the changeup is usually the last thing to come along for young kids. Um, It's always he has the fastball and the breaking ball, but he has to develop the changeup. And that's why Allen is so exciting because it seems that he already has the changeup. And Jaden Hill already has it. Like, you see it in college. It's, like, low 80s, and it has, like, the nice little dives away from the lefties and into the right. It's just, it's a very nice sinking little changeup. And so the reason why I like someone like this and the reason why it would be fun for the Mets to draft someone like this is it's a college pitcher who's a, like, you could kind of get him on the track a little quicker to go to the majors and a prep arm, which the Mets like to draft. So if you do that, then all of a sudden the pitching depth in the minors is a lot nicer with Allen and Hill at the top of it. And maybe Allen and Hill kind of slotting in behind DeGrom in as his contract goes. 
So yeah, that's really the person that I would that I'm that I'm keeping an eye on, and it's a lot of it is because I just like watching him pitch. <laughs> like it's hard to predict at ten, and getting Pete Crow Armstrong right is something that I very much was laughing at as soon as they drafted him because I was like, how the <laughs> hell did I do that? But um, yeah, he's just a guy that I like watching, and it's having a changeup like that already that's advanced and probably his best pitch is something that just is very juicy for me as someone who likes changeups quite a bit. So I, argue with that. I I don't disagree with your premise there. I have a maybe I should call it the Rafael Montero fear. Ooh. Um so I feel like a lot of times uh we wind up slightly overrating fastball changeup guys as they're developing because yeah. I, I I know where you're going, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, like at that at that level no one has a change up basically. And then if you're, then they just make hitters look like fools because they've never seen a changeup that's even half decent. Um, but by the time they get to the majors, that being just fastball changeup is concerning. Now he's not Rafael Montero, right? He has high end velocity, which a lot of those fastball changeup guys don't. Yeah. Um, but that that always gives me some pause. But I, I imagine you could look at it the other way too, right? Where most guys, the last thing they they're able to develop is a changeup, and everyone is, seems to be able to pick up a slider at this point. So, like, I, two sides of that coin. And like, if he's, if he's there at ten, uh, yes, please. Oh yes, if he's there at ten, they better be running, sprinting to the phone to call that yep. in because, yep. like, <laughs> I see a lot of mocks of him going like five, six, seven. Yep. So like, it's not out of the realm of possibility that he falls to ten. Like, it's not like me picking. Oh, I'm picking Jack Leiter. You know what I mean? Yep. Like. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> Like, I'm picking someone who could fall if something happens, if he has kind of a weak season or he gets hurt, knock on wood. You know, like, there's reasons that you could fall from 5 to 10, not really from 2. But, yeah, and also, like, Montero's a closer now somehow. So, like... <laughs> closer. Look, he w- he's a pretty good reliever now, somehow. Like so league average. He's just mediocre. I'll take that. <laughs> but, yes, like, I understand that fear. I just like it because... It's fun to see an advanced changeup at an early age when that is uncommon. It's usually something else. Well, like you said, if the Mets take him, if the Mets pick him, I would be I would be giddy. Yes. That's the really cool thing about picking ten too, is like one of these guys will likely fall. Yeah, like high end upside guys. You could get someone at ten that you wouldn't that people would be scratching their heads about for some team trying to float the bonuses or whatever they're trying to do. Like, um, we got Michael out. Conforto at 10. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. worked out pretty good. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? 
Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. All right, so who wants to share their follow next? Ken. Sure. Ken. Um, <laughs> so um, I this year I'd like to follow um, Adrian Del Castillo, a catcher from the University of Miami. Um, usually I'm down. I, I don't typically like college catchers as a, a profile. Like um, I've seen a lot of guys either – touted as you know college you know good catchers who end up you know never learning how to hit uh or the the converse you know they're they're like a a bat first catcher and um they end up having to move off the position uh particularly at miami i've seen a few come through um zach collins was miami right? zach collins yeah yes. um, who is going to be kind of my counterpoint to this in a minute but um the thing i like about del castillo is i really think he's going to hit and um if it turns out he's not a catcher I think he's athletic enough to play a corner. Um, that being said, I don't think it's necessarily uh, – a lot has been made about him not being able to – him having loud hands and, um, you know, behind the plate receiving. And I, I've seen a, lo- a lot of guys, you know, develop that as a skill as they get closer to the majors. So that doesn't concern me all that much. And – like I said earlier, the um, the big, you know, sort of danger with this this profile is that um, you know the guy can hit, but can he field? And he's a lot more athletic than a lot of the guys who have been drafted as catchers and had to move off. Like uh, Matt Face from Virginia a couple of years ago, um, I think he's more athletic than him. He's certainly more athletic than Zach Collins. Are you so, sure about that one? Uh, <laughs> most are. <laughs> Zach um, Collins is uh, how you would say a beefy boy. Is he more athletic than small? Is he more athletic than noted catcher turned outfielder Kyle Schwarber? Yes. Yeah. Oh, gee. <laughs> Again, hard not to be. Uh, current Washington <laughs> National Kyle Schwarber. Speaking um, of, are they playing him in left and pushing Soto to right? Yes. Oh God! You talk about our outfield defense. That's I know. Be ugly. Yes. At least yeah, they have robots. <laughs> anyway, um, and I really think Del Castillo is going to hit. It's like a really pretty um, open left-handed swing. It's pretty loose. You can see him adjust uh, mid-swing, and um, there's enough feel to hit, and enough um, you know raw strength there where he's going to hit. You know, probably for like average power at the, at the very least. Um, so I'm, I'm pretty high on him. He's another guy I think might go a little higher than 10, but, um, there's going to be a lot of noise this year, a lot of movement. So who knows? He might be around. If you take the average of fan graphs in baseball America, he's at 10. Yeah. So that'd be cool. Um, he's, um, very interesting player. I wouldn't have any, uh, Problems if he was drafted. No, it seems fine. Lefty catcher, sign me up. No batting gloves. Also, like a pretty, yeah, 
the aesthetics of his game are, are solid too. Lefty catcher, I'm sold now. Like, he's yes, please. He's a lefty hitter, hitter but yeah. Oh, which is, got also, me excited. which is also a good thing to have because um, there's a million righty catchers and like a him, like um, the the thing with Tomas Nito is you'd like to be able to platoon him if you ever have to rely on him as as number one. Yeah, as something like a starter, so. It is now, an advantage, even if it's not fun. I wanted that lefty. <laughs> I wanted that lefty throwing catcher, just for the weirdness factor. Carlos Cortez, learn to catch left-handed. Yeah. Well, hey, he should do whatever he can line. to add value. Yeah. Now, Ken, you are obviously a fan of Del Castillo, and if the Mets pick him, he would be a, a big catching prospect in the system. And you are also a fan oh of the <laughs> other big catching prospect in the system, Francisco Alvarez. So. Should they both be in the system? Who are you going to oh, be yeah, the bigger 100%, fan of? Yes. Oh, okay. Um, I see. I don't know. <laughs> That's tough. Sophie's choice. Probably Del Castillo for a little bit, just because yeah. Alvarez is, you know, has yet to play full season ball. Mm. And um, I don't know if you want to bet on a catcher who has never played full season ball to, you know. Like Alvarez, well, about his Levin, I've got now. this great bridge to sell you if you're interested in a proposition yeah. like that. Like not Alvarez so, not so much who do you think is going to pan out better, just whose jersey are you buying? Oh, both. Easy. Oh, okay. <laughs> that works. <laughs> well, the platoon is going to be the best catcher in baseball combined, so. Yeah. True, 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 true. All of the wins above replacement. Not one win below replacement. No. <laughs> All right, uh, Lucas, do you want to go or do you want to go last? I'll I'll go. Um, All right. So admittedly, when I first did this, I was an idiot and was like, "Oh yeah, the Mets will probably be pretty good. They'll be a twentieth this year." Forgetting that, oh. you know, this <laughs> year's draft picks are not based on this year's record. So uh, trade me, I guess. Um, anyway, once once I corrected that and found a guy, I'm going to go with uh, Brady House, Hoose, whatever. Uh, he's a prep shortstop slash third baseman from Georgia, so baseball hotbed. I'm sure the Braves are eyeing him eagerly because they mm-hmm. love picking their local boys. Um, he's already 6'3", 215, so it seems pretty likely he'll have to move um, uh, to third base. But he's got the power to do it, like potential 70-grade juice in that bat long term, um, like a lot of – prep guys he he sometimes will flail at off speed stuff but he has a better approach than you'd expect more mature approach than you'd expect um throws 96 off the mound so i don't have any concerns about him not sticking at at third like i think that'd be fine and if the the bat comes through it's uh a special player even there i think you're kind of very similar to that quadrant idea i've been mentioned with ronnie mauricio where you can like have a four corners outcome where he's an elite hitting shortstop a shortstop who just hits okay an elite hitting third baseman or a third baseman who just hits okay right i think you're he's you're throwing another dart into that square and maybe he winds up as that elite hitting shortstop though not on the mets because they're going to extend francisco lindor right right guys right Right, thomas What's your um, read in the situation? Well, you know, I'm very negative, but <laughs> All right. they probably do it anyway and make yeah. me look stupid. Good, good, good. Uh, 
so yeah, House House would be my guy there. Um, if, later on, I was looking at names like Ethan Wilson, who's a college outfielder, or Joshua Baez. So we're early enough in the draft process where some of these guys could improve their stock. So I'll call mm-hmm. those my secondary watches for now. But but uh, right now, Brady House would be the primary one. The last prep shortstop that the Mets picked does not leave very good. Uh... Just not leave a good taste in my mouth. Uh-huh. <laughs> See, the difference between this and Cheech is that the the profile is is oh completely oh different. Com- yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. draft sh- 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 that guy, Chikini, Chikini, Lucchese, Lucchese, whatever, uh, uh, because you wanted a fast moving, solid defender. But you're drafting a prep bat. So, like, that fundamentally doesn't make sense. Here you're drafting this guy for upside. He's not going to move fast. But the upside is there, right? There's the power potential and the hit potential that Sakini never had. And maybe he's less likely to land at short long term relative to when Sakini was drafted. But the bat potential is so much better. Um, and if you're drafting a prep guy, go for upside. Don't go for safety. You know, Lucas, I'm detecting a lot of anti-Italian discrimination coming out of you. Uh Uh-huh. It's from the Italian. (laughs) I I literally, right before we got on the pod today, got off the phone with my grandma, and we were talking about tricks to making good red sauce for a half hour. (laughs) I'm not even joking. Uh, This is a conversation that I had right before the pod. Well, you see, I I don't believe... I don't believe your story at all because if you're a real Italian, you would know that it's gravy. Okay. Not so. Yeah. Uh huh. Uh huh. I've literally, <laughs> literally, no one in my family has ever referred to it as gravy. Mm. <laughs> We're all fake Italians. Maron. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, that leaves me, and the guy that I'm interested is Judd Fabian, and I'm very, very sad that it's not Jude because the hey Jude. Uh-huh. Oh, Headlines yeah. I'm disappointed been easy... it's not Fabio. Oh, I'm man, disappointed Jude it's not Job. <laughs> There's a lot of, of all the different variations it could be. Judd, I mean, come on. Jeb? My name is oh. our, our, everyone's favorite politician, Jeb. <laughs> please, please hit. Please clap. Please drive. So, uh, Judd Fabian, he's an outfielder from the University of Florida. Uh, he graduated from high school early. And he's very young as a result. He actually um, is still 20. He won't turn 21 until September, even though he is a junior. Uh, his, the reverse Brett Batty. Baby. Yes, reverse Beatty. He's actually younger than Beatty. That's uh, hysterical. <laughs> I didn't want to bring that up, but he is. I, I looked it up. He uh, His freshman year at Florida was a little touch and go, but he didn't make a fool of himself. And he actually tied for the team lead in walks and stolen bases, which is pretty good as literally an 18-year-old that was still in high school like two weeks prior. So this summer he went to the Cape, and he was actually one of the better players there. Um, despite being the only 18-year-old, he ended up in the top 10 in doubles and home runs, slugging percentage. And everything looked like it was finally clicking last year in his sophomore year. He was hitting for better average, hitting for power, drawing walks. But then Corona shut everything down, so that was that. But through 17 games this year, it looks like he's picked back up where he's left off. Um, He has not missed a step. And he is actually hitting 289, 379, 6 
27 through 20 games. And his eight homers lead the Gators. And they are second in the SEC between West Clark from South Carolina. And if you see him hit, it's, it's easy to get why he has so much, so many home runs and, you know, he's just a slugger. It's a pretty quiet setup and just a smooth right-handed swing. And it's not like crazy uppercut, but just a very natural looking uppercut. The thing with him is that he can get jumpy and he can, you know, take some bad swings, especially against breaking balls. But, you know, that's why he's, a college player. That's why he will be in the minor leagues. He's not a major leaguer yet, and it happens. When he makes solid contact, though, he hits shots, really high exit velocity. It's it's not just, like, pulse side power, though. He has the ability to hit shots back up to, like, center or even go slightly opposite way. And just the thing with him is is he really comes to the plate with a plan, and he really knows the strike zone very well. As an 18-year-old fresh out of high school, um, you know, he's facing SEC pitching, and he had a 13.5 walk percentage in his freshman year. Uh, obviously, last year, 2020 was shortened, but he bumped that up to 16%. And then this year, right now, it's a 12.7 through those 20 games. So developing a good eye usually takes some time, but that's something that, you know, he seems to have right now. And that, you know, it's a, it's a good floor to have because it's always something he could fall back on when, you know, if he's not hitting that well or is in a, in a power drought or whatever. And then on the other side of the, the plate, defensively, he is, uh, he's surprisingly solid in center field. Um, he's a good runner. You know, he's, he's athletic. Um, and he's probably not going to be putting on like 50 pounds of muscle in a year or two. So he should be able to maintain that speed, which is about average to above average or so. Um, so he's got that going for him. He, he's got, um, he reads the ball off the bat pretty well. He's got a quick first step an above average arm. So he's got all that going for him. And basically he just needs to work on, you know, his roots and if, and that just comes with more experience and coaching and everything like that. So he's got all the tools to be uh, a solid center fielder. And yeah, um, he's an advanced college bat, maybe the most well-rounded of all of the upper echelon guys. You know, he's going to hit for average power, speed, you know, all the tools um, should be an impact contributor. And if the Mets draft him, he will be the second guy that is... I don't even know what it's called, where you throw left-handed, but you're actually right-handed. Not ambidextrous, but I don't know, whatever you would call it. But he'd be the second guy on the team with Carlos Cortez to throw weird. Well, that's not that's a good grouping, Steve. No, not a good – hey, this guy's like Carlos hey, that's Cortez. Friend of the, that's friend of the podcast, Carlos Cortez. Well, I didn't say that his bat is anything like Carlos Cortez or his defense, <laughs> just that they I both have... throw weirdly. Here's a, here's a total non sequitur, not total non sequitur. I'm in a very complicated fantasy league with Jarrett and others, and I had some dude offer me Carlos Cortez, who he thought was a real prospect. I'm like, <laughs> no, no. All right, well, you should have told him he's a friend of the podcast, so you have to get him for cheap. Uh huh. Uh huh. That's AVL slugging champion Carlos oh, yeah. Cortez. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> or batting champion, whatever it was. But yeah, I think that uh I think that uh Fabian 
might be available to the Mets at 10. Honestly? I like Fabian. Yeah, yeah um, me too. I just I worry too. about um, he's been striking out a lot this year. I know. It's it's scary. Uh, when uh, I first but I started, think that might be why he's available. <laughs> why he's yeah, exactly. if he wasn't striking out, he might not be there at 10. So. Similar to, like, um, do you remember Cameron Meisner, the guy we both really liked a couple years yeah. ago? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I, that's basically why he fell, and he's turned into a, a decent prospect, if I recall correctly. But I think I mean, Fabian's uh, probably a little better. They're probably a lot, a lot of, better. A lot of times when guys get drafted and go to the major, go to a professional club, they have their everything just broken down and you're starting from scratch because yeah. the goals of a professional team and their teaching is very different from a college coaching staff and, and their goals. Yeah. And um, also I've heard just excellent things about him as a defender. Mm-hmm. Uh, Which is nice with that bat, and if you if he could defend the way that you would think he can, then that would be a very, very nice little package to have. That gives them a pretty like high floor in that you know if he's a good defensive outfielders are always good to have around. Yeah, and yes. a ton of upside in that you know he hits balls to the moon when he squares them up. That'll always play as a bench guy, even if like I saw him take the ball. On the outer half of the plate, uh, probably like 40 feet over the fence a couple of days ago mm. against uh, A&M. Just very impressive. This is this is extremely my shit. Uh, oh, outfielders yeah. With, with college outfielders, man. College outfielders <laughs> with strikeout issues but walks and power. Uh, son of a bitch, I'm in. Lucas will put them at every at every position. Go behind. Yes, I will put this player at every position. (laughs) I mean, this is Garrett Mitchell. This is is. is. Bradley Zimmer, who I kind of at the time liked over Conforto because you could play center, and that was a bad take. But like, same vein. More college outfielders. Honestly, the Mets are going to get someone fun at ten, and that's like. Obviously, I'd rather them be good and pick last and win the World Series, but I'd rather them pick here than when they were picking at, like, 15, and I'm like, I don't care about any of it. Like, at least in the top 10, even if 10 is the worst part of the top 10, obviously, it's someone that's going to be good in the system and someone that'll be someone to pay attention to, you know? There's at least a 10% chance you get one of the 10 best players. I mean, and that's (laughs) fine. I like those odds. It's a joke, but also, like, at 15, it's a hell of a lot smaller. So yeah, at 15, it's, like, 1%, you know? Yeah. <laughs> There's a chance that you can get, like, one of the, the two or three best players in the draft if somebody just makes a mistake ahead of you. And, I mean, Conforto, like, like we said before, Conforto was the 10th pick, and if we get a Michael Conforto-like level player out of that pick, then sign me up. Yeah. Maybe that's the extra argument to taking a college outfielder here. The last time the Mets took a college outfielder at 10, uh... <laughs> pretty, pretty good. Part of my my philosophy is like if the um, you know I've said many times on this podcast and elsewhere that Michael Conforto is like my ideal draft pick. Yep. Like a, a polished college hitter, you don't have to do much, and he's just gonna you know he just gets it. Yeah. Um, part of the reason so Del Castillo I like, and also Jed Fabian is you know I think they might be the best college hitter in the country, and if that guy's available when you're picking. You take them. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. Especially you know, and, if the NL is going to get a DH, like that adds an extra spot of hitting somewhere. Like if things fall apart, like obviously I'm not saying either guy is a DH, but like 
that gives you more flexibility on fitting hitters into your lineup. Mm-hmm. And now, if the Mets pick an advanced college hitter and assign them to Brooklyn, nobody's going to say anything. <laughs> well, Brooklyn must win, Steve. So. Well, yes, they must, but Brooklyn is high A, so that would be the appropriate place to send players of that vein. I mean, in th- theoretically, by the time the draft picks are making their way to Brooklyn, the world will be back to normal enough, and uh, you can go see them. So that'd be cool. Oh yeah, yeah. knock I'm, on wood. I'm train stops away from Brooklyn, so I am more train stops <laughs> away. <laughs> you had train Ooh, lines. I'm, I'm away. not that far from Brooklyn now. I yeah. I, I, how do I get to the Cyclone Stadium from where I am? I'd have I would take the A down to 42nd and then take the F. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's not awful. Mm-mm. Well, now everyone knows where you live, Lucas. They know I live somewhere on the A line. <laughs> Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, the A-line, the longest line. Yep. All right, well, now the Will Ponder of the Week, and that belongs to Captain Jay Baker of the Cherokee County Sheriffs in Georgia. Oh, okay. Have you guys ever had a bad day by any chance? Lucas, have you ever had a bad day? Yeah, yes, Steve. Turns out when I have a bad day, I don't go out and kill eight people. Ah, Ken, how about you? Yeah, no, when I have a bad day, I, like, eat a bunch of stuff. All right. Thomas? <laughs> oh, I just sit in my room and play video games all day. All right. Well, according to Mr. Baker, according to, to Captain Baker, excuse me, uh, Robert Long, the guy that murdered eight people in cold blood the other day, he was, quote, this is the exact quote here, he was pretty much fed up and had been kind of at the end of his rope. And yesterday was a really bad day for him, and this is what he did. The fuck? Yeah. Look, we just made some jokes because I think we're the kind of people who handle this stuff with humor, which I don't know that that's a good or bad thing, but this whole situation is awful. The larger cultural implications of it are even worse. And this jackass goes out here and, and says something like this, and then also has a history of posting blatantly anti-Asian mm-hmm. stuff online. Yeah, I mean, the the guy's a racist and sympathize with the racist guy. So, here we are. Like, mm-hmm. that's all that is. Pretty much, uh, yep, that is all that it is. Fuck the shooter, and fuck this cop, too. Yep. And if you if you have the ability to, not a bad time to go donate to any of the Excellent organizations fighting Asian American discrimination. Agreed. If you if you have the ability to financially, don't feel awful if you can't. There's other things you can do. Well, if anyone has any questions, comments, whatever, you could send us an email at our email address from complex to queens at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter and shoot us uh, questions there. I'm at Steve Saipa. Lucas is at elvlahos343. Ken is at Ken1191, and Thomas is at said Met Season SZN. Subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast from, rate and review it, and of course, thank you for listening. And we will be back next week. And until then, love the Mets, love the Mets.